Well, welcome everybody to Around the Town. Uh, we're excited today. We uh, have one of our great uh, local organizations here represented the Junior League. Thank you, ladies, for being here. We have Madam President-Elect, our Executive Director, uh, here today. And Emily Beedenbaugh, I'll start off with you. Maybe you could just give a little bit um, about yourself just so people know who you are. Oh, sure. And thank you so much for having us here today. We're really excited. Um, well, I am Emily Beedenbaugh, and I'm from Columbia. I grew up here, um, went to Hammond, went away to college, went to Duke, University um, and studied politics um, and public policy, and then moved back to Columbia and worked in um, government, worked in the private sector, worked in communications for a long time, and um, now I'm mom to two young children. Um, the hardest job in the That's right, two little girls, and um, do a lot of my volunteer work, um, which is just a privilege to, to serve on many boards and commissions in town. And one that's always been near and dear to my heart is the Junior League of Columbia. I joined in 2007 which is easy to remember. It's the year I got married also, so it's 15 years. Um, oh, wow. Yes, and I'm just very thrilled to, to be involved on the board this year and be president next year as we enter our centennial celebration. Um, so thank you again. And I think as segue, we have a fairly new, right, uh, executive director. Yes. You want to introduce yourself yes. to Columbia? Absolutely. So we actually just started having the executive director position for the Junior League in June of last year. So it's a little over a year now. And my name is Rachel Price, and I am also born and raised in Columbia. And I went to Hammond as well, and then went to the University of South Carolina locally right here in Columbia, and then launched into a career in the nonprofit sector. So I've been working in nonprofits for, well, that's seven years now. So um, I really enjoy this work and I feel very fortunate to be able to be the first executive director for the Junior League of Columbia. We have a membership of over 1,400 really motivated women and it's a very inspiring space to work in, to work with women who are leaders in all walks of life. They lead boardrooms, they lead families, they are doing all sorts of good and philanthropic work in Columbia. And it's a fantastic space to work in. Well, first of all, it's exciting to hear that you went to the University of South Carolina and you stayed here. Uh, we lose a lot of great talent. And having talent stay here and be part of our community and do what you're doing is incredible. And it's one of our our goals is to retain the talent. You know, we have over 60,000 college students uh, here at six different colleges and universities. So how we cross-pollinate, how we get them invested in our community and get exposed to all the opportunities that could be here is kind of our, our goal. So you're a good poster child for us, and we'll make sure we uh, <laughs> tell everybody. But, you know, I think it's it's awesome that you, you, you chose to stay here and, and, and give back because that's what you're doing. You're really giving back. With that, I'm going to toss it to both of you all to maybe – Tell us about, historically, we're, we're creeping on 100 years in Columbia. How did, how did the Junior League get here? Okay. You know, it's a nationwide organization. How did it get to Columbia? And, and maybe y'all could talk a little bit about, over the years, all the different projects that y'all were involved in. Because I don't think people understand how deep-rooted the Junior League has been. You know, we know now there's 1,400. It didn't start that way. It built and it was a part of the the notion of giving back. So maybe we start with you, Rachel, and then tee it over to uh, the president elect. To Absolutely, catch up. yeah. And so one thing that's really lucky about us having Emily here today is that she will be the president that launches us into our hundredth year as an organization, and she is 
the absolute best person for the job. She has already organized so many of what we refer to as our sustaining members. So our sustainers are those members who no longer are as active in terms of their specific meetings and volunteer requirements with the league, but they still support the league in a number of different ways. And our sustainers actually hold the history of our league because they are our history. And so they are heavily involved in our centennial preparations as we gear up for all the things that we're going to do in the next year and a half, I suppose, would be the timeline we're looking at. Um, But they have really already organized a lot of different committees through Emily's leadership planning a lot of that. So one of the things that they've already started doing is going through our archival room. And we actually did bring a few of our pictures and a scrapbook from the 50s because the league has had a lot of work historically with the mayor's office and various groups throughout the Columbia area. And so we brought some of that today. um, But we have done so many different huge projects that have had lasting impacts that have taken off into different nonprofits of their own through the years. So one of the things that's highlighted in this book in the 50s is actually one of our hearing clinics that we used to do where we actually would do hearing tests for families and young children throughout the Midlands. And it was the only one in the state at the time. And it grew into its own concept of its own. But for a very long time, it was only staffed by junior league volunteers. So it wasn't staff. It was all volunteer led, which was incredible. Wow. Rachel, that's a great, that, that's a, a good example of the work that we did during that decade. And um, you know, every decade, it feels like the junior league has to pivot and decide what is the, the issue at hand or issues at hand and how can we get involved. And, and just to describe from the beginning, um, you know, we have 1400 members and we're all volunteers. We, we have Rachel, as a new employee and an, another administrative assistant, otherwise we run this non, huge nonprofit with all volunteer woman power. Um, and and you're asking about our beginnings. It did not start with that number. We started with ten women that were assembled or who were assembled by, um, uh, well, by Catherine uh, Heath Manning. And so she was one of those boomerang students who left her hometown of Columbia, studied up in New York, and learned about the Junior League um, up there because that's when everything was really getting started around the twenties. Um, and brought those big ideas back to Columbia, gathered 10 of her closest girlfriends and said, okay, here's what we need to do to get involved in our community and make a difference. And so ever since that began, um, we have had uh, this long history of being one of the largest junior leagues in the country. There are about 300 internationally um, that make up the Association of Junior Leagues International. So it, it has always been astounding to me that a city of our size here in Columbia, that we can tout that we're one of the largest groups. And you know, we've never even had the problem of recruitment. We have a very strong um, new member class every year, and a lot of that has been word of mouth over the years, but we, we do actually strategically recruit as well. But um, again, all of that woman power comes together to get behind different issues and topics, and um, we are pivoting once again here in the 2020s um, to do a large environmental community scan, talk to our leaders, um, work with, with a consultant to help us put together all of the, the studies and information we need to know about what are the, the health issues facing our children and families in the Midlands and how can we get involved in a deeper way right now. So like, like we said, it runs the gamut. You know, the 20s, um, we helped with screenings. We've helped at Fort Jackson during the war times, uh, started a concession stand, worked with the children theater to do programming there just just a a colorful array but as Rachel mentioned a lot of the organizations we do know of here in town the junior league has certainly touched them we um, helped with the library when it was getting started the art museum um, gave money for the children's hospital which is now Prisma Ronald McDonald House 
began sister care in the 80s um, to tackle domestic violence, which was a very new subject matter. So really, whatever the issue was at hand, you can you can always count on Junior League women being there. And it's been exciting during this process as we prepare for our centennial to meet, for instance, with Historic Columbia Foundation and learn how so many of the members that started our organization also helped start that one and, and see the pictures of members all over. So um, we, we hope the whole community is going to get very excited next year as we continue telling our story and opening up the doors to invite everyone in to really learn what this organization can do and, and what we're going to do in the future as well. So as part of this celebration, are y'all going to kind of really kind of show the connectivity? Because I think, you know, that's one of the interesting things that, that I've learned more about inside Columbia is all the, the historical things that have happened, but how they're touched by different groups. So it'd be great to tell that story, you know, hey, you know, this shoot off started here and, and how it spider webbed, but also at the same time, have y'all have adapted to seeing the needs. Cause what I, what I kind of get a little bit of feel is that you're a gap filler. You feel out, you feel where, all right, we see this going on. All right. Well, how do we bridge that gap? How do we help make sure those services are getting, if it's, as you said, from the screenings, the working at Fort Jackson, helping historic Columbia, obviously that came out of something that happened there. Hey, we want to be part of that because we under, we're worried about preserving our history. Um, it's very interesting. I know y'all do a lot of different events as well, fundraising events. Um, maybe y'all could talk a little bit about what you do to raise money and how y'all decide where that gets directed. Sure, I'd be happy to pop in on that one. Um, so really, the story of the Junior League and our success over the last almost 100 years is a story of collaboration. You're right. We have filled the gaps. We found the need and we filled them over the course of many years. And so um, in terms of fundraising, one of our biggest events and fundraisers for the last 35 going on 36 years has actually been our holiday market. So our holiday market, we bring in vendors and merchants from not just around South Carolina, but around the country. And they come to the South Carolina State Fairgrounds where we have a four-day event. During that time, we have locals and folks from all over come and buy tickets to attend the holiday market and shop with all of those vendors. It's usually the first weekend of December and the Thursday and Friday before that weekend. And then we also have a few specialty events while the holiday market goes on. That includes our ladies night out, our holiday ball, and then we also have a Sundays with Santa. So we really try to hit all of the different populations. A ladies night out for you to have for the ladies, a nice girls' night of shopping, holiday ball where you can dress to the nines and bring your spouse or significant other. And then we also have the Sundays with Santa to make it a full fun family event where you can get photos with Santa, get some Christmas shopping done or any holiday shopping done and really enjoy that with a whole family. Holiday market has been going on, like I said, for almost 36 years, but it's certainly not the only fundraisers we've had in our nearly 100 years. Um, we've had something called the Clean Sweep, which was a huge, essentially like secondhand sale. We would have, like, imagine a yard sale, but so big, fairgrounds, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so big that it has to be kept at the fairgrounds. Um, and that was a huge event that folks also came from all over. Um, and then we've also had most recently our Little Black Dress campaign, which is actually a peer-to-peer -peer fundraising campaign where our membership participates in fundraising and asks their networks to donate to the Junior League so that we can continue doing our important and meaningful work. In terms of the ways that we find out how we are going to put that money back into the community to have a positive impact, 
we do that through our mission work, really. So we've done that a number of different ways through community programs, such as our ABCDs for healthy kids. That's where we bring children in around the beginning of the school year. Actually, we do it at the beginning of semesters. So it happens in August, September, and then again in January, February, where we get the kids a healthy food item. That's the A for apple. We get them a book. That's for reading. We get them a coat for the cold weather. So really in the summer, when it's into summertime, it could just be a clothing item. And then for dental, we also do something healthy in terms of a toothbrush or something for hygiene. So it's ABCDs for healthy kids. And we do that. We've done that twice a year for many, many years now. It's one of the events that our membership loves doing because they get to walk through the store with the kids that they're actually shopping with. The kids get so excited about all the different things that they're buying and they really get to see that impact firsthand. But then we also have done community impact grants and that's where we actually have given money to our partners, those other nonprofits in the community that have already had proven methods for the work that they're doing and they're doing the work and we support them financially. And then once we give them the money, we support them through our volunteer efforts. So for example, this year, we gave out community impact grants to Habitat for Humanity, Junior Achievement, and Communities in Schools. And just off the top of my head, Habitat for Humanity, we gave them a $30,000 grant. And with that, they're going to help complete their annual women's build, which is a build completed by women. They build a house from scratch. You don't have to have any professional training, but it's obviously supervised by (laughs) professionals. And it's able to give a home to a family in need. And in that case, our our members are going to be out there, boots on the ground, actually helping to build that house, which is going to be a really fun full circle moment for the members. Emily, uh, you 15-year member volunteerism is a big part of this and I know I I, I don't know if y'all could even calculate the hours that have been you may have that number um then it's something y'all should shout from the mountaintops because I imagine it's quite quite large but 15 years tell us about your most memorable volunteer opportunity that you got to participate in you know a little bit about the program that you participated in what made it so special but you know just so people get a feel of of what you know I think when people they just assume people write grants and this and that but y'all's is really built this organization has built hands-on in the field working yes there are grants and there are opportunities but really what y'all bring to the table is those volunteer hours and and, and hand really being hand-in-hand involved, I think is the best way to put it. No, you're so right. And and to follow up with Rachel, what she was saying about our grants, you know, that is we have a committee that really reviews all of those and make sure they're aligned with our mission work. Um, but other than, than those type of, of um, investments in the community, it is all invested back into our community program. So we have about 86 to 90 community partners that we work with on a regular basis um, and different programs through our community where all our, our volunteers are able to do shift work and get that sweat equity in there. And, you know, I would say I've done a lot of different placements that's what we call it a lot of league lingo you're going to be learning today but yes shifts and placements sustainers new members um but i would say early on um when i joined as a new member very similar the experience is similar to the leadership columbia experience which i'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with as well where you have a joint um, class project that you do throughout the year and and finish up at the end and so my project that year was working with epworth children's home and 
um, doing some self-esteem building with, with young women who are there and um, teaching them about working with them on exercise, nutrition, and, and just fun as well. And just, you know, becoming a mentor and a friend. And um, so th- because I think that was a year long event and relationship that was built, that wow. was very meaningful to me for sure. Um, but again, every year is something a little different, which is so exciting about our volunteer work. Every year, it's like musical chairs. You get to plan something different, do something new, um, and get a new experience, which is just really exciting. As a new member, how many different volunteer projects do you have to be involved in, or does it escalate as you become a sustaining member? <laughs> you know, I, I learned two right, of those right. today. Well, it start, you start off really <laughs> strong and busy, and then right. as you get to your sustainer levels, that then you don't have to do it quite as much, but um, but it's but it's all about learning how the organization works. There's a reason why we're doing it all, and so um, there are certain obligations you have to meet as a new member and, and serving in different ways, and and then doing that one kind of a, a group project mm-hmm. altogether. But I was going to give you a figure. You mentioned you know how many you know, volunteer hours must you calculate, yeah. and you know again we're still coming out of a pandemic time when volunteers across the the world were not able to be out in the field as much as we would have liked. But um, on on a great year where we can really get our hands in it's about 10,000 hours of volunteer hours so um, it's it's very impressive um, that our that our members who Rachel mentioned you know working families other volunteer opportunities they're involved with they still make that that time and investment with the Junior League of Columbia to make our community a better place wow that's a lot of hours and you calculate that over a hundred years it's a a big number it's a big number so you talked a lot about kind of this class project for, I guess, new members do. So tell us a little bit about that. What are What is an example of one of these projects that are done by the new member class? Well, lately they've been working with the Girl Scouts um, and, and doing a lot with them. Um, and, and Rachel, maybe you know the latest project this year. I don't know. But. They are working with the Girl Scouts again because we have created a very unique partnership with the Girl Scouts. They have their incredible leadership center. Center. And so we've been able to partner with them where we use their leadership center for our own member training. And then we have monthly programs with their actual Girl Scouts. Um, and it usually culminates at the end of the year where we do this overnight mentoring um, program. And so it's been something that our new members, they participate in a certain number of monthly uh, programs with the Girl Scouts. And then at the end, they get to have this huge celebration with those young girls. That's what it's been for the last couple of years. And strangely enough, my new member year was also at Epworth. Uh, We've done a lot with Epworth over the years. Um, So we only switched to having the Girl Scouts as the main project for the new member class within the last few years. Before that, we had um, separate groups within the new member class, and each of them had their own project. So when it was my new member class, we had my group that was working with Epworth. We had another group that was working with Palmetto Place. We had another group that was working with St. Lawrence Place. And we had a group that was working with the Cinderella Project, which has been another partnership that we've had in past years where we collect prom dresses from, well, not just prom dresses, any formal dresses, which for the Junior League of Columbia, we have a holiday ball every year. <laughs> and so our members would help donate formal dresses and then we'd have it dry cleaned to the Cinderella project and have a huge shopping event for young girls who are looking for a prom dress but might not be able to afford one and so that was a really fun placement for some of those members as well. Shopping experience. 
That's interesting. We um, I had an opportunity to go to the Cooperative Ministries not too long ago, and they converted one of their warehouses over there into a shopping experience so that if somebody needed clothes for an interview, or th- they had everything lined up, pocketbooks here, you know, men's jackets here, but all had tags on it too, so you felt like mm-hmm. you were shopping and I was like whoever came up with that that concept deserves the 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 medal of honor because it's the dignity of being able to go in and shop and and do it and make your own choices as well and and you know the junior league had a a thrift store for many years um in the 90s a second look so we we are very familiar with um that type of model as well but now we can help indirectly support groups like cooperative ministries and um, Salvation Army, they have they have clothing in their stores as well. So try to find the, the right ways to funnel our, our goods to, to the other organizations who are doing it really well right now. Yeah, with 1,400 members and the opportunities, and we all know we end up with so much. You know, you look around and you go, why, why do I have so much, so many things? And y'all are finding different ways for those to be used and benefit in the community. You mentioned earlier, uh, too, that the Junior League focuses a lot on improving health and the well-being of children. Well, you know, coming out of the pandemic, it's it's really critical. I mean, only from mental health standpoint, but a physical standpoint. Um, I think our obesity rates, especially here in some of our more challenged neighborhoods, have really, really gotten to create real significant health issues. And we're seeing a big influx of diabetes, childhood diabetes, worse than everything. Uh, Obesity, you know, affecting everything from from how they're functioning in school with that self-esteem. And then obviously the mental health issue for so many people being cut off during the pandemic. Tell us a little bit about what y'all are doing in, in that arena. Um, Emily, I'll start off with you since you've got 15 years yeah. of, 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 of volunteerism there. Here we go. Well, so I will say for the last 10 years, we really, our focus area has been all about um, wellness of children, looking really at nutrition, exercise, dental health, and self-esteem. And as I mentioned, that we are um, in the process right now of assessing our, our focus area to outwardly look at our community and do an environmental scan, make sure that what we're working on matches up with what the community needs and what our members want to work on as well. So we are in that process right now, and, and things might change a little bit as we as we move forward and get some new information and answers. But for the last number of years, um, what that looked like for us was having a large Healthy Kids Fun Fair that we would traditionally do um, in the early spring, working with lots of community partners partners. We've had it out at Segra Park the last couple of years, and it's just a very large health fair, but also fun and engaging for families and children. And many of the families um, that we are able to work with on a regular basis through the school districts, through some of our other ongoing yearly programs, are able to come to that as well, which has been wonderful. Um, Another program that um, we've worked on is called Kids in the Kitchen. Um, Again, it's a national program we're able to bring to our junior league. We're teaching healthy cooking habits and eating habits and um, something, a fun novel way to look at it. The last few years, we've had an Iron Chef cooking competition to get Ah. kids engaged and having some fun with it. Um, You know, we're all used to watching those types of of shows, um, so it's fun to to bring it to life. So, you know, trying to take the issue but make a different fun solution um, and getting information to families and children for sure. That's awesome. Did you want to add anything to that, Rachel? Emily covered a lot of it. I think uh, just through what we were mentioning earlier, we do a lot of partnering as well. So another one of our community partners for the last 
probably almost five years has been Girls on the Run, and that's been a totally separate placement um, in which we've got roughly 20 members that work with Girls on the Run to sponsor an entirely new school. So J.P. Thomas Elementary previously did not have a Girls on the Run program, and we were able to work with Girls on the Run and our membership to sponsor that school and help them get that program up and running. And then we also staff it with volunteers throughout the year and through the 5K. So um, when they have their 5K, which is sort of the culmination of their self-esteem and healthy exercise program, which is right up our alley because it's a bunch of young girls and it's telling them that and they're their enough. Dads. Yeah, and their, their dads, dads come to We were in the middle of it this past year. Uh, at another event, and there were two events going on at the same time, and you know we were getting lapped by all oh. these <laughs> ladies. It's amazing, and they really have they have two semesters in which they do it, and then they do it for multiple different grades. And so, obviously, for the younger grades, it's not quite as much as a five k. But then for the older grades, they literally work their way up to three miles, which is an incredible feat, especially for a young girl who has never been exposed to running for exercise. So to make that fun and engaging is a really important thing because running is something that you can do anywhere, anytime the rest of your life. For the rest of your life, exactly. And so that was a really exciting partnership for us to bring on board, and we still have that committee going this year. The past couple of years with COVID, it was a little bit different, so they actually had created – we've – the last couple of years for everybody has been adapting (laughs) and flexibility and finding new ways to engage with your audiences. And so for that that time frame, with a lot of our programs, we were actually able to create videos of online workouts that we're providing for free and did Skype and – Zoom sessions with those kids so that we could still do engaging, fun exercises, even if it's not running a 5K. So they did yoga classes and Pilates and Zumba and a little bit of everything, and they really enjoyed that. It's uh, what was great about being there. We were there for um, somebody else's race, and they were kind of together. But what was interesting to me was all the kind of older kids that I guess had been mentoring and volunteering being on the street corners with posters and encourage, and they knew every one of those kids' names. And you could see the, the, the young girls coming around. Some of them were dragging their dad or anybody else, but they came around the corner and they saw those folks and they were yelling their name and you could just see them light up and they're like, you know, they, they truly felt part of them. So you realize that it does make such a big difference. Those little things make such a big difference in them in somebody's life. And I think that's what's so incredible about what y'all are doing and the partnerships. Um, that I think that's the key. You know, yes. collaboration is something that Columbia traditionally has not done a really good job. Of. It's one of our negatives. If, if you've seen some of the kind of internal and external studies that show that we tend to, to just all kind of group off. And I think that's starting to change. People are working together um, to to really make a difference in our community and collaborate collaborate a lot more, not just around fundraising and others, but actually making sure that we're getting more people involved in, in all the great things that are going on. We've got a very, very generous community, in my opinion, uh, and I think everybody wants to find a niche and a way to give back and be part of that and, and how we keep that going and capturing. Uh, y'all have got... 99 and three quarters years uh, of it, which is, is incredible. Well, and I was going to just mention too, I mean, collaboration is part of our mission statement and we really view the junior league as being a convener for community partners and agencies to come together, come to the table and, and 
work together to make things even bigger and better of an impact. And I'll be remiss if I didn't mention one very big collaboration about 10 years ago for our 90th anniversary. We worked with um, the mayor's office at the time and um, city designing and planning and parks and recreation to refurbish uh, Roy Lynch Park right here downtown right off of Elmwood, which is um, just was a feather in our cap and an exciting space that is um, still a great zone for playing and had a meeting with Prisma Health earlier this week to learn about some issues facing children in our community. And Dr. Kaufman, uh, Dr. Taylor said again that play is the number one you know, way that we can combat a lot of things. Children need to be at play. And so um, that was just a really special, meaningful project that we worked on together collaboratively. I think that's great. You know, as we're one of the issues is plaguing us and it's uh, unfortunately it's at every level of childhood right now is gun violence you know we're we're up about 31 percent in gun violence luckily murders are down i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing in in the scheme of things but it really does it it touches that we're we're having so many we're going to be over 120 and most of most of the the perpetrators are are young folks between 16 and 20 um, a lot of our victims are in that same. So everything we can do to engage people, give them the opportunity to feel better about themselves and see the opportunities and make connections and realize that, you know, there's a better way to deal with things than a gun or crime and opportunities. And, you know, I, one of our goals is to really build up, especially in some of our challenged neighborhoods, opportunities, opportunities for kids to, to make money, but also opportunities for them to feel good and give back so that they see the re- repercussion of that, how that works, you know, paying for it forward is a good thing. And there's a reason why and how that, that plays in. And, and um, you know, especially now between health issues and everything else that's going on, um, it's more critical that we, we, we get people out there working together. Uh, I just, um, it's a tough one. It's a tough one f- for me to understand sometimes, you know, how did we get here? And it didn't happen overnight, but how do we get out of it? It's not going to happen overnight. And whatever we do, we have to do as a community. Uh, so I really appreciate all the little things y'all are doing because they're really big in the scheme of things. So thank y'all for that. Um, we went through kind of a quick, you know, not a history, but involvement, you know. So what's the big project for the 100th birthday? Can we reveal that today? Is that something y'all can talk about? We can talk about our, our plans, you know. Again, we have to be nimble and pivot all the time. That's the big word of the century, pivoting the new century. But, um, you know, I was going to mention, too, that training is the other large component of our organization. So it's Great. the service, yeah. but training our female leaders to to be take these skills back to their homes, their their workplaces, and go back out in the community and other ways to serve. We have a community board bank um, and have a curriculum where we're teaching um, how, to, how to be an effective board member and then placing women in, on boards and commissions. And, um, and the training goes all the way down. We have a junior volunteer program as well. So high school students, oh, uh, wow. girls can apply for that. And we just have a new crew that just had their first meeting, I think, this weekend. Um, and that wasn't their first volunteers. But not They volunteered right. at our general membership that meeting sure a couple of weeks ago, even before their first, first orientation. They were oh, very wow. eager. So engaging, you know, volunteers and, and young wonderful. people at that level so that maybe they'll become junior league members one day, but but also, you know, they'll start growing those self-esteem and leadership skills that they can take with them in the future. Um, but regarding, yeah, yeah. 
Well, regarding a centennial project, we, you know, we're still working on our plans. We have a great committee with some of our sustaining members, past presidents, new members, a little bit of everything together to come up with a, a plan. But service is going to be at the heart of it for sure, and uh, we want to to make a large impact right away. In fact, I was going to mention today is September twenty second. Tomorrow is September twenty third. Um, which is our our actual birthday. So that is when the Junior League was started, September 23rd, um, 1924. So um, just kind of an exciting side note. Um, So one year away from the big day. Yeah, yeah, we're we're ready to go. So next fall, the hope is that we're going to have a major community service push of doing – uh, 100 hours of continuous service um, the, for a whole week. So we do a lot of these done-in-a-day style projects, which are really exciting to our members because they get to see that immediate impact after their their time doing that work. So can't imagine what will get done from a Monday to a Friday. And really plugging back in with some of the organizations that we helped to start from the beginning um, and some of our community partners that we currently have to, to structure that out. But um, I, I feel like that's going to be our, our large gift to the city in a way, but have lots of other ideas as well. That's awesome. So we got to sidetrack a little bit. We've talked, we've been talking serious here. So now we got to figure out, but you know, we have a little fire around a little bit. We always want to know what's your, what's your favorite restaurant in town, Rachel? Ooh, right now. Okay. So I'm a huge food person, so it's very mood dependent, but right now I'd have to say Caltai. Uh, it's really delicious Thai food, but they also have a really good cocktail menu that's like Thai infused, but also like somehow it's it's incredible um, and a really good happy hour special. So it's perfect to pop in after work. What's your go to dish? Uh, pad Thai. <laughs> that's an easy one. Sometimes I'll get drunken noodles, but you can't go wrong with pad Thai. Drunken noodles at happy hour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's accurate. That's accurate. That's if happy hour lasts into dinner time. Then I got to get some. Emily, how about how about you? Where where where's your go to date night these days? Yeah, we we've always loved Motor Supply, so that is still one of our go to spots. And menu changes so frequently, which is exciting, using locally grown ingredients um, and just a fun ambiance and atmosphere. So that's that's usually a go to spot for sure. But we we try to make the rounds. We love Salutas. I feel like everyone kind of fell back in love with Salutas during pandemic on that beautiful oh, veranda. Yes. Um, Mr. Friendly's is always a wonderful staple as well. So, you know, we, we, we make the rounds at all of our faves. So we, we get into food. You said you're a foodie, Rachel. So, so when you go to Soda City, do you buy things or do you eat your way through Soda City? Oh, I have to take four laps of Soda City every time (laughs) I get there. I first have to go up and down once and get a lay of the land and decide what am I in the mood for? Then I have to take a second lap after I've planned out my food. And usually I have to go with at least two or three other people who are willing to share food with me because I can't get all of the things I want to get otherwise. Um, so yeah, it's a process. It takes a while. I usually always get at least some coffee. Usually it's into coffee. And then I always want to get a donut because I love the donuts there. Um, and then I'll change what I get from there depending on the day. Um, I love the crepes. I love the barbecue. I also love the Thai food, which shouldn't be a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I've I've yet to have something that I don't enjoy. No Mary's arepas. Well, Mary's arepas. Our first guest who's not said Mary's. Okay, arepas well, Mary's arepas comes to Craft and Draft pretty okay. regularly, so I usually get that there yeah. rather than at Soda City. <laughs> so Emily, when you um you get to take those two lovely daughters yours out for ice cream where do y'all go and what flavors are the float through the family 
Oh, that's a great question. Well, let's see, where do we go? Um, we do go to Sweet Cream, definitely, when, especially if we're already downtown. So, and again, those flavors change out pretty regularly as well. But Eloise, my second grader, she's she's a big mint chocolate chip fan. And then her little sister, Barrett, she's three and a, a, a second-born child for sure, and gets very <laughs> messy. So mommy usually selects some vanilla for her wherever we go, <laughs> just so we don't make a big what mess. What about for you? Uh, we're just trying to hold the napkins and make sure nobody spills it anywhere for the Come most on, part. I don't to. know. I, 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 I do like their sorbet, especially too. It's very refreshing on these these hot summer days. Yeah, my problem is I go down to sweet cream and I go for the full fat <laughs> banana pudding ice cream or something oh, like that. It's just unbelievable. I, I think they do a wonderful job, they and really I do. love their flavors. What they did during the pandemic, we did, we did a, a period where we went and bought a bunch of pints. And deliver them to neighbors, just trying to do something oh, different. Wow. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. been cooped up, and uh, they were so gracious to work with us. And uh, But what a great spot there. Um, brunch, another thing that's exploding in Columbia. Uh, the rumor is there's like two or three other brunch places coming everywhere from West Columbia to Forest Drive to Five Points. So where do you go for brunch? My re- most recent brunch was actually at Bourbon. And it was really, really good. I didn't really know they good. did brunch. Yes. I didn't either. Yes, it was delicious. Um, but I've also, I, I was sad during the pandemic because some of our places that typically offered brunch uh, stopped offering brunch because they had to shorten their hours due to staffing changes and things of that nature. Um, but we did also just get a Pugans in Forest Acres, and I'm eager to try that. I have yet to have their brunch. I've heard nothing but good things, so I'm really excited to get over there. In fact, I'm hoping to do that this weekend. It's awesome. Emily, where do we where do we yeah. go after church with the I family? I know. Well, I mean, the gourmet shop is a favorite. If we can get in there, it's hard. There's so many wonderful students who are waiting at the door to get in there, too. But that's a that's one of my personal favorites. And we go to Taza a lot as well. They have a, a good brunch on the weekends, on both Saturday and Sunday, which is nice. So those are some, some of our usual spots. And I'm going to Pugans for lunch tomorrow with um, oh, a friend, so I have to ch- check back with you on that one. Yeah, I'm curious. I have not made it there yet. Uh, I figured I'd let let everybody calm down before we go. Uh, I know there's a new place that opened up in, in West Columbia, and I'm drawing a blank of the name of it. Um, but everybody's both talking about it, how, how wonderful the breakfast. It's like breakfast at Brits or something hmm. like that. Oh, they also just started a, an evening dessert bar at that location. I just saw that on my Instagram feed, and I'm, I have not tried it, but I'm intrigued. <laughs> I, I have a bit of a sweet tooth. Me too. Um, <laughs> I have to. That's the way I finish my meal. Um, mm-hmm. I've been trying to do better. I think I've gained so much weight since I took this position. Um, I'm going to try to get back into shape, but you know, there's always a Twizzler hitting, hiding somewhere at my house. So <laughs> I know I, I'm going to be taken care of as y'all, as you move forward, you're excited. How do, how do people get involved? If, if you folks are listening to this and there, are, you know, uh, some young ladies who want to be engaged or, you know, university of college students want to get engaged, how do how, how they reach out to, they go to the web? How do they get involved? Is there a membership drive period? You know, tell us about how people can get involved and, and be part of what y'all are doing in a deep, rich history of volunteerism. Absolutely. So we have an application process to become a new member, and that opens in early fall. So check back on our web. Well, you can check back on our website at any point in time, and it'll have the information there. It's jlcolumbia.org. Um, and what you would do is literally just click on the members button and 
it'll give you information on how to become a member. Um, the way that timeline usually works is you submit an application in the early fall towards the end of the, towards the end of the semester year. Um, it has to be completed and submitted by then in the early part of next year, you'd get notification that you were accepted and there's some orientation processes where you'd get to learn more about what your new member year might look like. Mm -hmm. Then over the course of the summer, we are getting back to having a new member class social during the summer months, which for our league are typically slower months because we do typically follow more like a school calendar where our most active months are August through May. But we do have a new member social in June or July where we can get that new member class together and getting to know one another. And then we kick off the year with an orientation in August. And then they hit the ground running and immediately start doing all the good work that they'll be doing throughout the rest of their junior league experience. It can, in, for, for our college audience, they can transfer their membership to another city if, if there's a... Uh, they certainly could. So really the only requirement is you have to be age 23 to join. So, you know, college students, we... we so you really post-grad. Post-grad, however, you know, they can start the process if they're planning to be in Columbia. Yes, we can connect you to leagues all over the world if you want to transfer once you're a member with us. I'm um, 23. I have to ask. Everything's 21, 23. That was it. That was written into our bylaws. I think really? probably to get post grads. I think that post-grad. was probably the idea. But that's we also there's no cutoff either. So we have members in their 90s who are still sustainers, and and so that's that's the fun and the value of it all that you can have this interaction with people from all different walks of life and all different ages. Um, but I was going to say about your sweet tooth that you also need to check out if you don't have it on your bookshelf at home. We have two editions of the Junior League cook- cookbooks over time, putting on the grits and down by the river. Um, I do you have might putting have, all yeah, the grits, and yeah. I do have down by there the river. There you go. Well, we um, are hoping to come up with a new centennial edition of the cookbook with our top 100 best recipes and some cocktails. So that might be a good, good mayor Christmas present, I think. Next oh, year. Uh, <laughs> yes. that'd be awesome. Um, maybe you'll, maybe you can get some local local folks and politicians to make put their favorite uh, recipe in there. You know, some of us do cook, you know, as you, you talked a lot about the power of women. Well, in my house, my wife is the power. She she uh, she works all day long, so I cook at night. But, you know, it'd be interesting to um, to throw a couple recipes in that that book from uh, some of our folks in town. So many great cooks and so many neat places to eat in Columbia. I mean, I remember when, when I first came here to college, I mean, nobody was on Main Street, you know. There were motor supply was just beginning. There was nothing downtown. And now, I mean, really, every corner you go to, there's somewhere cool to eat. And there's new things constantly coming. And, um, you know, even we talk a lot about the, the two guys who cook on the weekends at the Sitco station in West Columbia. The chicken and ribs they make, they're from Peru. And it, it's the flavors are unbelievable. Um, oh, I need to try that. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> one of those little 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 niche places you 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 just stop and you try. But there's so many, and Soda City has brought so many of these folks to the table. I think the pandemic brought a lot of people, made them find their talents. Um, one of the ladies that's at Soda City, she does these lemon brownies. Oh yeah, I'll, I I I. It's, I would do anything for those. I, I that's that's a that's like a lemon not, square and a brownie combined almost, or is that no? It is. It's cakey. Okay, but the so flavor good. is, it's 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 pretty good. I mean, like real good. That that we have to stop there. I mean, I have to get my cinnamon rolls. I have to go by there. We go by Mary's. 
when they get avocado toast or, you know, we've been trying some, some different. And then of course, all the pastas and the flat, you come home with the most gorgeous bouquets of flowers. And I love seeing people walk around with flowers and, and they've been shopping and being part of it. But that's why I think Columbia is such a great city. You know, we have all these great places and then we have all these great organizations uh, we have a lot of new organizations, but we got a lot of historic organizations that deep rooted, been pillars in our community. And and from a grateful city, I say thank thank you to both of you, and not only for for the volunteerism that you've done, but being involved in an organization that actually really cares about our community and wants to be part of it, and has proven that for almost ten decades at this point. So thank you all for being here today. Um, uh, we, we enjoyed getting to know about the Junior League. If you have any more questions, I know uh, Rachel will expect your calls. She's there every day. Uh, come on down, sign up, be a yes, part please. of it. And, uh, you know, if, if we're all an all-female organization, but we love the support of our men, of course. And, and even if you don't join, you can support us with your dollars so we can help do even more in the community. And, again, on our website, you can find out how you can donate and be a part or a sponsor if you're interested in that, too. Oh, yeah, and uh, let's don't forget, you know, the holiday market will be coming before. That's sponsored by American Express, Visa, MasterCard, <laughs> exactly. electronic checks. They, I think they're even taking Venmo this year. We take it uh, all. Yeah. Tickets it's go on sale October 1st. Yeah. So there go you go. Hey, around the corner. Um, which always is a great event. Is all, it, it is fun because you see people from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember um, going out there a lot when my mother-in-law was alive and, um, and she she loved Christmas. Christmas was her thing, so she always bought lots of presents for folks to give away. I mean, it was always about giving away, but you met people from everywhere out there. And it's still, too, I think it's grown. I mean, y'all are in how many buildings now? You're right. We have grown into two buildings out at the fairgrounds. And, you know, we are the Junior League of Columbia, but we, we have our members are from all over the Midlands. And then at your right, at the holiday market, you see groups of friends. It's their tradition that they get a big car and they, you know, get driven in for the parties and for the shopping. So it's really um, just a, a wonderful way to kick off the season and be around so many of our community members. If you haven't experienced the holiday market, Buy a ticket, go get a group of fin- friends. You'll have fun shopping, be part of the ball. For those of you who haven't been to, is it still called the Clean Sweep? Well, we we had a sunset of the Clean Sweep yes. a couple of years ago. Uh, again, assessing you know what's working, what yeah. needs to be more efficient. So we we no longer do that event in the spring, but we. Um, Again, we have some other exciting things that will be coming this year. And we do still have various donation drives that we have happening at headquarters where our members come and donate things for our partner organizations. So while we don't have Clean Sweep where we're selling like our old goods from our homes and things like that, we do still collect donations periodically throughout the year. Right now we've got an ongoing donation drive on behalf of Salvation Army where we're collecting canned goods and donating that to them for their stores, well, their food kitchens, pantry. food yeah. pantries. Um, and we also just finished a clothing drive for them. And then we're also looking and assessing the community to see what where the needs are. And through meetings most recently, we've realized in the past we've done diaper banks. We've also um, just realized that there's a need at the children's hospital for feminine products for moms who are there with their children and they're longer than they expected and then are at a certain time of the month where they really need those. So we're looking at doing more of a cyclical donation drive at our headquarters 
And if you come during business hours, we'll accept your donations for yeah, that. Well, if you come to us, we'll figure out where it needs to go. That's a great point. What's the best way for, for folks? Is it to go to the website and figure out what you, where, where the focus is? Uh, you know, if it's it's the pantry drive or whatever, because I know y'all talked about the ABCD program as well. How do people get involved, e- even if they're not part of the Junior League and they just want to promote, support, and be there for y'all? What's the what's the best way for them to go? Is it to the website and connect? Is it to the website? Call? I mean, it has all of our contact information okay. there, and you know, follow us on our social channels as well. JL Columbia. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and and try to showcase what we're working on and and what you know is interesting. To the community. So that's a good place if people are just interested and want to check us out. Well, everybody, you heard it here. You can find them on every social channel there is. <laughs> Emily's going to post a, yeah. a TikTok for us tonight <laughs> uh, so we can see. But look, hey, if you have an opportunity and you want to do something great, support this organization, help the Junior League continue to do their mission. They've been here for 100 years. They've proven that they care about our community. So whatever you can do, reach out there and support them. And thank you all both for being here today. We're glad, uh, glad to have you. And uh, this, was, this was great. I learned a whole lot. Um, I'm still, I mean, I start thinking about these hours of volunteerism. It's just amazing. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting as the year goes on and y'all celebrate to get to the centennial, listen to the older members and the younger mayors start sharing stories and where the cross section comes and, and, you know, how, how it's continued on and why people are engaged and, and happy to be part of the organization. But, uh, and, you know, the, the library has a brand new oral history department, um, if you're not familiar with it. And we just began learning about it this summer. And so we're working with them on a pilot to really capture those interviews like you're saying from our sustainers um so we'll have them forever and and almost like a legacy um addition on on the library's website so again another chance to collaborate with a community partner and to capture these stories which are so important as a uh a child with severe learning disabilities and dyslexia i'm big on oral history i am i much rather sit down and talk and and tell a story and, and send it out but you're right capturing those stories uh i think it's one of those things we got to continue to do is capture the stories from from folks because you know I mean we we've had a major transition over the last hundred years. Uh, it's, it, the world has changed. I mean, I didn't even have a computer when I was in college, you know. And today, everything in the world happens in my pocket with my <laughs> my 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 device, as I call it, the lifeline. Uh, it's just amazing. It'd be interesting to see what the future but we can't forget about where we came from. But thank you all both for being here. This was awesome. Thank you. Uh, Until next time, around town.